Thank you so much for joining us online today at Christ Covenant Church. We hope you sense God's presence and are encouraged by the message. Now, here's Pastor Ryan Weems. All right. Well, if you have a Bible or the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, reach for it and turn with me to Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. If you didn't bring a Bible, uh, can't download one right now on your phone because you don't got good cell service, that's okay. We'll have the words on the screen. Uh, But Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. In our new series that we start today, we're going to study this Old Testament book um, in the Bible. And we're going to learn, and this is really the thesis and the big idea all series long. We're going to learn how do you live unshaken in a shaky world? How do you live unshaken in a shaky world plus, and I know a lot of you are pumped, uh, there's some good end time stuff in the book of Daniel, like some crazy end time prophecies, and we're gonna talk about all that kind of stuff too. So I hope you'll keep coming back, coming back, coming back. Hope you won't miss a week. But today will be kind of an intro to it, and I believe God's gonna do something special just like he did in first service. But Daniel chapter one, verse three, let's jump right in. I'm gonna read out the NIV. Here's what it says. Then the king This is the king of Babylon. Then the king of Babylon ordered Ashpenaz. That's an interesting name. I bet he just went by Ash, okay? Then the king of Babylon ordered Ash, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites, that's God's people, from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians, those the bad guys. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. This is God's people. Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. I'm gonna try my best, (laughs) y'all. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Some of y'all know those names because of Veggie Tales, okay? (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny. If you know, you know. Verse eight. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He's like, I know it's five o'clock somewhere, but it ain't five o'clock here. Chose not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Now we're gonna stop there for now, but keep your Bible open. If you're taking notes, I'm calling this message, Living in Babylon. You can write that down. Living in Babylon. Bow your heads with me and close your eyes after you jot that down. Lord, thank you for what you've done already today. And I pray, God, for those that are brand new to Scripture, brand new to church, that that you would speak to them so clearly. I pray, God, for those like myself that, that have studied Daniel before and been in church for a while. I pray for us as well that you would speak something fresh, in something new. And I pray more than anything, God, that the focus of this book in the Bible uh, would get into our soul, that you would teach us and show us how to live unshaken in a shaky world. 
We need this message. I pray we wouldn't miss any week of this message, that we would make it a priority because we need it so much, God, and you have so much to teach us and so much to reteach us. So have your way. I pray, God, that you would speak because of me, but also in spite of me. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit, you, you, you uh, God, our awesome God, I pray that you would speak and you would move, Holy Spirit, and that you would do a great work from the inside out. We trust you, we need you, and we're here for you. And we ask all this and we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Living in Babylon. Uh, there's so much going on here and it'll be really helpful just to give you some quick context. We got people that are brand new to church and so I wanna make sure that I catch you up to speed. Um, and honestly, each week we're gonna go through major parts of this book. So this will be really helpful, not just for today, but the next couple of weeks. But Daniel and his friends, Daniel and his people, the Israelites, they have been attacked and taken hostage by this corrupt empire named Babylon. And so as we read, they are now POWs, prisoners of war. And most scholars, if not unanimously, most of them, they agree that Daniel and his friends are teenagers at this point. A lot think that he's actually, Daniel is 15 years old at this time. So I want you to picture this, to visualize this in your mind. You have teenagers who are now kidnapped from their homes and sent over 1,000 miles away to what's modern day Iraq. And they are put in a three-year program to be brainwashed. That's what's happening here. It's Jason Bourne meets total recall up in the Bible, okay? Like literally that is what's happening. And even though from the outside looking in, a lot of people, maybe even you, would say, hey, these teenagers don't stand a chance. It's over for them. Even though a lot of people from the outside looking in would say that, that's actually not what happens. You see, in a world that was trying to make them bow down, they actually stand up for God. And you and I, I don't care how old you are, you and I have a lot that we can learn from them, not just in chapter one, but even as they mature and grow up, we can learn a lot. And here's why. You need to know this, that here today, 2022, we are now also living in Babylon. And I'm gonna prove it to you. Like, like, like it's not my opinion, it's, it's a fact. What Daniel and his friends went through years and years ago, we are now going through again today. History, as it tends to do, is repeating itself again. And the United States, where we live, is now a modern day Babylon, and so we need more men and women of God that know how to stand up for God and to do it the right way. And so everything we're gonna talk about in this series, not just today, is gonna teach you how you live in Babylon the right way. And one of the biggest lessons of chapter one, I'm gonna talk about it all day long, is that when you're living in Babylon, you and I need conviction, not conformity. I hope you'll write that down. Conviction, not conformity. I'll say it to you another way. We need conviction, not compromise. You see, one of the big strategies of the enemy back then and still today is to start attacking people when they are young and to try to get them to conform to the standards of the world. 
So for three years, the Babylonians are doing this. They have taken the best and the brightest, these young people, and they are teaching them their language and their views and their false religion. Again, they're trying to brainwash them. And even at the very beginning of this process, remember what we read, Babylon, the world, it tries to change their names. Do you remember reading that? Tries to give them new names. And honestly, that's what the world is still doing today. I know that I've even struggled with this personally. I'm just gonna be real and no mask. I'm gonna take it off. I'm gonna be vulnerable, transparent with you. Uh, But I've struggled and I bet you have too on some level with the names and the labels that the world has tried to put on your life. Just to be real about it, one label I've struggled with in particular is specific to my calling as a pastor to do what I'm doing now. The label that I've struggled with is not good enough. Just being real with you, not good enough. Some of you know this, but, but I don't come from a line of pastors. I don't know a lot of pastors And believe it or not, I don't like public speaking, which I know is very ironic right now. I I don't, believe it or not, I don't don't like the lights on me. And again, I see the irony there because there's some bright lights on me right now. Like this shocks people, but you can ask my family and a lot of them are in this church, but you can ask them without me around, but I am actually not an extrovert by nature. Like some of you are like, what, really? I thought you were. Well, I did a good job with you then. because I work really hard at it. I really, really do. It's not easy for me to put myself out there. And so a lot of things this calling requires, just honestly, I feel so inadequate. And you don't need to feel sorry for me. I'm grateful that, that God chose me to do this. I'm just telling you, there's a struggle there with the label that has been put on my life of not good enough. And so the devil still to this day will try to get in my ear and tell me I'm not good enough. Sometimes he'll use people to get in my ear and tell me I'm not good enough. Hey, you're not qualified to reach people. You've taken the church as far as you can. You don't have what it takes. All these labels, I'm too young, which is funny because I I used to hear that a lot more years ago than I do now. I know I'm still young, but I don't hear it as often, but you're too young. Uh, Church revitalizations like this one don't normally work. I'm not the right guy for the job. All these labels, all these things, and so, I have to remind myself that the labels that the enemy puts on me or that other people put on me, they don't define me. And the same is true for you. The only person that gets to define you is the one who created you. And that's the Lord. And the same again is true in my life, just like it is in your life. Now back to Daniel. I'm gonna walk you through here in just a moment what these name changes mean. And I've been a pastor, even though I'm young, for over 10 years. I've studied the Bible for a lot of years, even beyond that. I've studied Daniel for a long time. And what I'm about to give you, I had never seen until this last week. And it is shocking. Like it is eerie what I'm gonna share with you as I break down in a moment Daniel and his three friends, their God-given Hebrew name and what it meant versus the Babylonian new name 
that was tried to put on their life. And again, it's eerie, it's shocking, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is gonna reveal some things to you. And just spoiler alert, what I'm about to tell you is not politically correct, but honestly, I could care less because it's the Bible. And you can be mad at me all you want, but you're mad at the wrong person because I'm just gonna preach the Bible like I do every single week. And what we see happening in Babylon is happening modern day. That's why we're living in Babylon. And again, it is shocking, it is eerie, the name changes that take place here. The first is this, we'll start with Daniel. His God-given name, Hebrew name, you can write this down if you want, or you can just soak it in. Daniel means in Hebrew, God is my judge. Great name, that, that, that God is the one I report to. Like, like God is the one that like I'm following. God is my judge. He is my source. Well, Babylon comes around here and they've got Daniel 15 years old and they're like, bro, that ain't your name anymore. They change his name as we just read earlier to Belteshazzar, which means this, lady, protect the king. And I wanna sit on that for a moment and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal some things to you. Because what happened then is happening today. Babylon comes along and says, check this out, Daniel, you are no longer a boy, you're a girl. They are bringing gender confusion. Not only are they doing that, but they're saying you used to report to God as your judge. You don't report to God anymore. You report to the king. You report to us. And I'm here to tell you loud and proud, I ain't scared to say it. You can be scared if you want right now. You can be nervous right now. But I'm gonna tell you what God's word shows us here, that gender confusion is one of the main attacks of the enemy, especially with young people. And you can be mad at me all you want, but it is happening in 2022. The world has come by and said, you're not a guy, you're a girl. The world has come along and said, you're not a girl, you're a guy. You got that tendency or you got that thing or I see this in you. And the world today, just like back then, is doing something that is so evil and so unholy, saying guys are not really guys. Guys could be girls and girls can be guys. I'm gonna tell you right now, put me on record. That is wrong, that is evil, that is not of God. And it's eerie because again, this happened a long time ago and it's happening again today. And so moms and dads, you hear me, if you're gonna raise your kid in the house of God and I hope, I hope and pray you do, that's how we're raising our kids. If God has blessed you with a son, you affirm that he is a son. If God has blessed you with a daughter, you affirm that she is a princess of the king. You affirm their gender. You affirm it. Y'all hear me, church? You affirm it. You let them know. Who thought it was a good idea to let a 10-year-old pick if they're a boy or a girl? Your brain is still, some of y'all's brain is still developing, developing, but especially as a kid. All the way, I should have said that. I'm sorry. That was mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> but your brain is still developing until in your 20s. And so we come alongside and we don't, we don't work how the world works. We say, no, 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 God has called you to be a boy. You are a boy. It's obvious biologically, you're a boy and you're a girl. And so Babylon comes by and says, Daniel, you, you aren't a boy, you're a lady. And not only that, you don't report to God. He's not your judge, you report 
to the king. I'm telling you, this is eerie, the similarities. We'll keep going. The next one, Hananiah. It's a great name, God-given name. It means God is gracious. Can't beat that. This is Hebrew name, that God is great. My God, here's what it means. My God is, is good. My, my, my God is good and all the time. God is good. You know, he's, he's, he's good. He's, he's gracious. Well, Babylon's like, oh, that, that ain't true anymore. And they come alongside Hananiah and they change his name to Shadrach, which means I am very scared of God. So here's, here's what happens here. They go from, this is Babylon, the world standards. They go from God is good to God is bad. That's what they do here. That God's not good. God's not gracious. God is bad. And is that not happening today? There is a whole movement, and it's happened with a lot of people my age, that they were raised in church, but they saw things happening at home that did not match the Sunday morning life, and now they have gone against that because they saw the hypocrisy, and now they're not saying God is good. They're saying God is bad. There's a whole movement that's happening. This ain't new. We're living in Babylon. Here's the next one, Mishael. Great Hebrew name. It means, who is like the Lord? Isn't that a good name? We need some Mishaels, man. Like, 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 that's awesome. Who is like the Lord? This, there, there's a confidence there, right? They're like, you can mess with me, but you won't mess with God, okay? Like, like God is for me and not against me. There is a, not arrogance, it's a confidence in God. Well, Babylon, the world comes along and says, no, 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 no. That, that, that ain't your name anymore. And they give Mishael a new name, Meshach, which means I am of little account. So here's what they're doing. You can see it. They're saying, yeah, you had confidence before. You should be a coward now. You used to be able to trust in God. Oh, God's got your back. Uh -uh, not anymore. You don't matter. And is that not happening in our world today? the way that we're belittling people and oh, there's no purpose or there's no identity there. And here's what they're really doing. And you need to hear this. Like, like you may not wanna hear it, but you need to hear this. They are coming alongside and saying, you know what? I know you used to be confident in God, but when you disagree with us, you be quiet. And that's what's happening today. Like you do your little Christian church thing, but the moment that you stand strong for something, Christian, be quiet. They did it back then, they're doing it today. Changing the name, changing the name, a new name. The last one is Azariah. The Hebrew God-given name is God is my help. God's my helper. And the idea here is like a kid that gets themselves in trouble and needs saving and needs help. And what does that kid do? If they have a good father, they look up to their father. Say, God, would you, would you help me out? I got myself in this mess. Would, would you help me? That's the image of being a son of God. But Babylon's like, no, 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 no that ain't the case anymore. And they get involved. They say, you are no longer Azariah. You are now Abednego which means a servant of Nebo or a servant of a false Babylonian God. So here's what they did back then, and they're doing it today. They're looking at Azariah saying, you no longer are a son of God. You are now a slave of Nebo. He's gone in their minds from sonship to slavery. And again, they are doing that still. The world is today. 
And so Babylon, in this three years of brainwashing, they get involved with these young people and the enemy is attempting to give them a new name and a new identity and they're trying to remove the one true God from the equation. Now, here's what you need to see and here's the key to their conviction. Remember, conviction, not conformity. And this is where it's not exactly, uh, not everything matches up exactly because we're gonna talk about food and all that kind of stuff. But there's principles here that we see that we can use in our environments with our experiences here in the present day. And this is what's interesting to me. Very interesting, fascinating. Key to their conviction. So you have Daniel and his friends. And if you read all of chapter one and all the other chapters, we don't ever see them cause a big scene with the outward labels. It's interesting. I want you to hear this. We don't see them cause a big scene with these outward labels that Babylon would put on him, put on them. And here's why, I believe, that they already knew who they were. Am I preaching to anybody today? Even as young men being raised up in Israel there in Judah, knowing what the word says, that they already knew who they were. And so everything that the outside tried to put on them, it wouldn't stick, baby, it would just fall right off. And so here's the question. I wonder in our Babylon modern day, do you know who you are? Because we got a lot of people with identity crisis going on. And not someone stole your identity and spending money on your credit card, but like you don't know who you are. And so Daniel and his friends, the reason why I believe they don't make a big fuss about it is because the world can say what they want to say, but it doesn't affect me. That's outside noise. They can go their own route, do their own thing, say their own stuff, but those labels are not going to stick on me. Why? Because I know who my God is and I know what name he has put on my life. So notice this. We don't see them cause a big scene or all this kind of pushback to the outside stuff. Why? Because that didn't really matter what the Babylonians said about them. But here's where they do stand up when the Babylonians asked them to do something that would go against God's standards. So notice the difference. Everybody else, that's them and God. I'm not saying it's, it's right. It's actually very wrong and very evil, but that's outside stuff. But anytime they would ask me personally to do something that would go against God's standards, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to stand strong for God. And we see this happen with the food and wine. And so it's not exactly, this is old covenant stuff, not exactly what we're going through. But again, the principles apply. The principles apply. You remember what we read in Daniel 1.8, talking about the food and the wine. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So another translation puts it this way. Daniel purposed in his heart to not go against God. I'll say it two different ways. Daniel pre-decided before he was in the trial and the temptation he had already made a decision that anytime they would ask him to violate God's standards, he would not follow them, he would follow God. He had made a pre-decision. He had decided already. And so here's the question for you. Have you pre-decided? 
that if you're ever in a situation that they would ask you personally to sin against God, to do something against God's standards, that you would not do it? Have you pre-decided? Have you purposed in your heart? Now with Daniel, there were certain foods that weren't kosher with his Jewish faith. There were things that they could not eat. And if anything was offered to idols, it was off limits. And I, I, I love this. And so because Daniel knew the word, the old covenant, he knew God's standards. He had already decided before that program, already purposed in his heart, that with the food and wine and anything else, hey, I'm not going against God. I'm gonna stand firm. And not only that, but we can learn a lot from the way that Daniel handled the standing firm, like how he stood firm. I want you to notice this in all the verses that we read in all of chapter one, that when Daniel and his friends, when they stand strong for their faith in this evil Babylonian culture, notice what Daniel does and also what Daniel doesn't do. Here's, here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't cause a big scene. Wow, I can't believe you sinners, sinners, sinners. I can't believe y'all have that food. I can't believe you're eating that fried chicken and having those bottomless margaritas. I can't believe it. He didn't do that. He didn't have this long, like just angry post on social media. I cannot believe with this empire. Man, I did not vote obviously for this empire and I cannot believe that, that they're doing these things. I, I can't believe, like, like really? That's not what he does. Now that's what some Christians do. That's not what Daniel does. That's not how he stands firm. That's not God's way. Notice that Daniel doesn't cause a scene. He doesn't do all that. He doesn't protest and doesn't say, oh, I'm gonna get my picket and I'm gonna pit. And he didn't do any of that. Here's what Daniel does do. Daniel goes to one of his authority and he asks permission. I didn't make that up. We read that. He asked permission. And what we didn't read, but you would read if you kept going, when Daniel asked permission in a way that's honoring his even evil authority, he honors it. When he asks, he actually is initially turned down. Some of you would have been like, all right, that's God's sign. You know, I'm just gonna go on it. He's turned down. And so here's what Daniel realizes. He realizes that, that he went too high up the leadership ladder. Like he went too high up. And so the next time, because he doesn't give up, he's gonna stand firm. I'm not gonna do anything that goes against God's standards. So what he does is he actually goes down the ladder and he goes to his direct report, which again, we can use that all day. Like that's, that's how you do it in a way that's honor. He goes to his direct report and he doesn't do it publicly, he does it privately. He's not trying to seem all holier than thou. He's not on his soapbox, you know, like, no, he goes privately. And you'll read this, but not only does he ask permission, but he says, hey, put me to the test. Put me to the test. He says, would you give me, would you consider to give me 10 days of testing? If you know any like numbers and numerology when it comes to the Bible, like don't get carried away with it, but the number 10 in general does mean perfection, completion. So he says, hey, hey, would you, would you give me 10 days? And while everybody else is having all you can eat buffet and 
they're drinking wine and all kinds of stuff, you know. Why everybody else is doing that? Would you give me and my friends 10 days to eat veggies only and drink water? Just 10 days. And Daniel says this, if you would give me 10 days and my friends 10 days to have only vegetables and water, if we're not better off than everybody else that's having a buffet, then you do with us what you wanna do. What's Daniel doing here? He is respecting authority, even an evil authority, but he is at the same time standing firm and he's actually putting it to the test. Here's what this shows about his character. He is convinced hook, line, and sinker that God's ways are better. And so if you were to compare him and his friends to everybody else, they're gonna be off better because why? Because God is better. 10 days, 10 days. And so his direct reports like, yeah, I can, I, can, I can hold him off for 10 days. Like no one would even really know, but me and you. So for 10 days, vegetables and water only, where everybody else is eating and drinking all they want, having their fill. And after 10 days, that guy comes back and says, yeah, not only are y'all like the same, but, but you're even better. And so God, as we read, puts favor and compassion on Daniel, even in Babylon. And so they don't just get to do it for 10 days, they do it for all three years. And at the very end of chapter one, in verse 20, they finally get in front of this king. Three years, they were trying to brainwash them. And here's what it says, this is so cool. Daniel one, verse 20. In every matter, somebody shout every. In every matter of wisdom, every matter of understanding about which the king questioned them. So he's quizzing them, like like he's asking. In every matter of wisdom, in every matter of understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better. Do you see that number 10 again? The number of completion? I don't know about y'all, but like, if, if I'm just veggies only, I'm wanting to be just a little bit better than everybody else. Like, I'm good for that. The king saw them 10 times better than all the magicians and all the enchanters in the entire kingdom. Notice, all the people that were following those evil ways, not just out of the people they recruited from Judah, from Israel, but the whole kingdom. Daniel and his friends were 10 times better than every single person on that king's staff. I'm telling you, church, God's ways are better that when you have conviction, not conformity, when you have conviction, not compromise, when you stand strong for your God in a world that is trying to get you to bow down and worship them, when you stand strong, not in a mean-spirited way, not on your soapbox saying how holy I am, when you stand strong and you still honor authority, when you do that, God's favor and compassion we poured out upon your life. And even in Babylon, you can thrive. It was true back then, it's true today. So do you know who you are? The world does not get to define you. Why? Because they did not create you. Your creator gets to define you. What's the label he's put on your life? But here's what you need to know. He ain't gonna put that label on you until you take that evil label off. So you've been believing the lie too long. You gotta take that off. Don't let it stick again. 
And then you ask God, God, would you put your label on me? What, what do you have to say about me? Not only that, but we need more men and women, and especially young people, and that's why I'm so excited. Some of you are wondering, Pastor, Pastor are, you, are you nervous about what's happening in our world? Are you nervous about the next generation? No, no, I am more fired up than ever because I see what's happening in our next generation, but I also know there's a church like this one that we are actually raising up young men and women of God that have got standards, that aren't scared, that aren't afraid, that are like, I ain't, I ain't gonna be quiet about it. I'm fired up. I even speak that prophetically over this church, that we would stand firm, that we would raise up the next generation. We know who they are. They're not confused about gender, not confused about purpose, not confused about relationships, but they know who God is. They know God's standards and they know God's standards are way better. It's not a hindrance or a burden, it's a blessing. We'd raise up the next generation and people in this house say, I'm gonna I'm stand firm. I'm not gonna be quiet, but I will do it respectfully. I will do it lovingly. And I will do it in a way that honors even evil authority that God has allowed over my life. People forget that. The Bible's very clear that even the evil empires, God allows them to be in that position. Like, like, like God has the final say and he'll use it and he'll turn it around for, for good. It's what he does. He's the good maker. We're gonna stand strong, but we're gonna do it in the right way. And it's not just gonna be getting by, not just gonna be equal to the world, it's gonna be 10 times better. And as people see us standing strong with conviction, they're gonna to start to ask questions. And just like the king, they're gonna see God's favor and blessing and compassion on our lives. And they're gonna be curious. And that's how many of us are gonna be able to lead them to Jesus because of how they saw us stand strong. We don't just live in Babylon, church. We can actually thrive in Babylon as we stand strong for God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Jesus, help us to live unshaken in a shaky world. We've got so much that we can learn from these teenagers. And even in the following weeks, as, as they grow and they get older, there's more we can learn of how you do this in the right way. I pray first of all for anybody that's had an evil label put on their life. Maybe it's similar to me, not good enough, or maybe it's something else. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you'd reveal that to them, that that's evil, that that's not how you see them. And I pray God that as they, as they identify that label, I pray you give them the strength to take it off. The world doesn't get to define me, my God gets to define me. The world doesn't get to change my name. I remember who I am. And I pray God that as they take off that evil label, that worldly label, I pray God that you would show them their name. I'm not talking even physically, but spiritually. Whisper to them, Holy Spirit, who they are, who you see them to be, their calling, their purpose, who they are. A son, a daughter of the King. I pray God for those that have been timid in their faith while the world is loud and they've been silenced. I pray God that you would give them boldness from on high to stand firm for their faith in you. If the world's gonna be bold, we, we should be bold. So help us to do that, but also 
may we be reminded that we have to do it in the right way. In a way that's honoring, in a way that, that doesn't put focus on us, but focus on you, Jesus. Not standing on our soapbox or saying, look at me, look at me. But to stand firm, to have conviction that I'm not gonna do anything that goes against God's standards for my life. I'm gonna stand strong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna honor, but I'm gonna stand strong. And I pray God, just like the King, that people would see us, not because of us, but because of you working in us and through us, they would see us 10 times better. That there's a, a extra grace and compassion and favor on our lives. And as they ask questions, we would quickly point them to you. I pray God that we'd be able to reach people in our family, people in our neighborhoods, people at our job, at our schools, because we live such a life that stands firm, but also does it loving. It's truth and grace, truth and grace. And I pray lastly for anybody underneath the sound of my voice that's far from you. I pray God today they would surrender their life as we sang about and as we prayed about God, we realize that we can't save ourselves. We can't work our way to heaven. Even the best of us fall short of the glory of God. Works don't work. We can't earn enough, strive enough to get to you. And so Jesus, you came to us. You took upon the weight of our sin upon your shoulders on the cross and you gave your life so that we could be free so the work is already done. No more work required. So all we have to do in this holy moment is receive that work, receive your grace to put our faith and trust in you. And you can do that right where you are in this room and online. You can give your life to Jesus. There's another book in the Bible, just eyes closed with me. There's another book in the Bible, Romans, which is in the New Testament. And in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says this that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's how you're saved, confession and belief. With your eyes closed, you can whisper that to Jesus. Jesus, I confess that you are God. I believe, I put my trust and my faith in you. And Jesus, I believe not only that you are God, but also that you died on the cross, it really happened, and that you also rose from the dead. And so I ask you, you've got to ask him this question. Jesus, I ask you to save me. I can't save myself. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, to clean me up from the inside out. I give you my life. Jesus, thank you for those that are surrendering their life to you for the first time, or maybe first time in a long time, just a fresh commitment. Thank you, God, that you love us and that you have the power to save us. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ or if your life has been impacted in any way, please send us an email at info at We would love to hear your story. 
And for those that committed your life to Christ, we want to help you on your new journey by sending our free Start Bible Kit in the mail. If you'd like to partner with us financially, simply click on the Give tab at ChristCove.net. There it will take you to a safe and secure page where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help us accomplish our vision, heaven full and hell empty. And as always, you can find out more about Christ's Covenant on our website or on Facebook or Instagram at Christ Cove Houston. 